Good morning. I'm so glad that you can be a part of our teaching series, Conversations. During Jesus' earthly ministry, his conversations were real and they they impacted real lives. And because of how relevant his words are, we listen to his conversations today because they do speak into our lives at this very moment. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. We encounter a story of a, a broken life restored. And today I ask you to open up your heart to hear what Jesus said into this life that, that new brokenness in ways perhaps that uh, you nor I could imagine. And Jesus spoke in even beyond his physical affirmities to draw together an amazing picture of of restoration and Jesus desires that even in our brokenness we are completely restored to him so I pray that your heart is open as we as we hear Jesus speaking into the real life of those to whom he ministered to while he ministered on earth and we hear how relevant these conversations are for you and for me today Jesus entered into a conversation with the lame man in the temple complex in John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus said, Get up. And he told the lame man, Pick up your bedroll and walk. And instantly the man was made well. And he picked up his bedroll and he started walking. It's an amazing story. And I invite you to, to look into the reality of this conversation Jesus has with the lame man and to discover several demonstrations of how Jesus prioritized his restoration for this lame man. The first observation or reality from this story represents a pattern of brokenness. In, in 1463, in the small village of Firenze, Italy, known today as Florence, Italy, the city council decided that the the village needed a, a significant statue or landmark, perhaps even of a biblical character. And so they hired a young sculptor to, to create what they hoped would be a, a statue that would really be a demonstrative mark in the life of the village. Well, this young artist went to a nearby quarry and he chose a large piece of, of white marble and so a huge 19 foot slab was cut out. But as they were transporting the slab of marble back to the studio for the young sculptor to begin his work, uh, the piece of marble slipped and, and cracked and so the marble sat there with this huge crack down one side. Well, the sculptor threw up his hands and said, I can't use this piece. And he demanded that the city bring in another piece of marble. Well, the city couldn't do this. They couldn't afford to. And so the young sculptor walked away. And as history teaches, from 1463 to 1501, that large piece of white marble lay there, fractured on one side, demonstrating its uselessness. 38 years, this piece of marble lay there. Well, eventually a young man came forward who grew up in the village and asked if he could work with a piece of marble. 
Fortunately for the, for the village, uh, this young man had incredible skill and great energy. So he began working tirelessly on this marble and created a statue of David resting after his battle with Goliath. This statue, as you can imagine, became noted not only in the village, but, but world around. A phenomenal piece of work. You may have now discovered who the young 26-year-old man was. His name is Michelangelo. And because masterful hands were laid upon a broken piece of slab, an incredible masterpiece emerged. Well, this is what we are witnessing right here in the midst of a pattern of brokenness. Jesus spoke into the life of a lame man who was positioned in a place called the Pool of Bethsaida, just near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. Let's read about his story. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda, in Hebrew, which means five colonnades. Within these pools, there lay a multitude of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. They were waiting for the movement of water, because as it was told, an angel would come down into the pool and stir the water. Then the first one to get into the water after the water was stirred would recover from their ailment. One man, verse 5 describes, had been there for 38 years. For just a moment, will you join me in discovering from this real-life encounter uh, the pattern of brokenness that can so often affect us today? To discover this pattern, I'd like for you to notice the audience uh, in which this lame man was positioned. Notice the human context, if you will. The context of the human lives around him can be noted in two specific ways. When we look at both demonstrations of the human context, we will have a fresh look at this pattern of brokenness into which Jesus spoke and into which his conversation made a significant impact. The first feature or the first observation of this human context is simply referenced in the phrase, and there were many who had laid by the water for, for years. So we are told that this pool near the Sheep Gate is called the Pool of Bethesda. Or, or Bethesda. Uh, this Hebrew name, uh, meaning colonnades, is in a plural form, which means that there were actually twin pools. Uh, as, as archaeological studies have, have revealed, uh, the, the findings show that these two pools were connected right at the sheep's gate, and there were two columns on each end of the two pools, and then one column in the middle, creating this huge portico around the water, and many infirm people gathered there. In fact, uh, one, one commentator described this place as a place of monotonous drones that, that carried throughout the temple complex. There were those who were crying out and, and were in need. So this geographical piece of, of Jerusalem demonstrates a fairly large area that was filled 
with the infirmed. Inside of this large gathering of the sick and the crippled, there was this one man that, that the gospel writer John speaks of who had been sitting there for 38 years. Can you imagine that being your context? A context of brokenness and, and a context seemingly of, of having been forgotten by, by the rest of the world. So the first feature of the human context that shows us the pattern of brokenness here uh, become referenced by the large gathering of the infirm that were there. But the second piece of the human context, uh, diametrically opposed to the large gathering of infirm, would be those active Jewish worshipers. We're told in verse 1 that a Jewish festival took place. We will discover later that within this festival, the, the day was actually the Sabbath. So we are peering into an event that took place on the Sabbath in the midst of a Jewish festival. There were as many as three significant festivals that drew the pilgrims and the worshipers to Jerusalem. And this one is perhaps the, the festival of Passover, or, or perhaps even the, the festival of tabernacles. But in either case, this represents an incredibly busy and active place of Jewish worshipers. So can you imagine the human context of this one who is lame? He's lying there, and surrounding him are, are these lives that are crippled just as his life is crippled. And then passing through are those of the Jewish faith who move quickly past onto their prescribed place of worship. Because of a Jewish festival and because of the Sabbath day, the activity and the high energy might be compared to Easter Sunday in our culture, where the excitement and the activity and the attendance becomes a high uh, experience of worship. Can you imagine walking into a worship service at a, at a church on Easter Sunday and walking past those that are sitting on the fringe that are in need and are crying out for help but are forgotten because all the worshipers are busy moving to their next place of commitment. Well, that becomes the human context here. That becomes the, the audience or the context of lives around the lame man, demonstrating this pattern of brokenness. Conclusively then, one like this lame man would draw these three conclusions, or false ways of thinking. This is normal. This is as good as it gets. There's no one here to help. This truly defines that place near the twin pools, near the pool of Bethesda that day. What a, an overwhelming picture of brokenness. This is my lot in life. This is normal. It will not get any better than this. There's no one to help me. You see, helplessness indicates I can't help myself. Hopelessness cries out, no one can help me. So because of the geography, because of the history and even the archaeology, we learn from these verses that these pools represented for many, many lives a place of brokenness, a place of hopelessness. And so when we look inside this conversation Jesus has with the lame man, and we 
discover these realities from the conversation. The first reality that sets the entire circumstance is this pattern of brokenness noted by the human context surrounding him. But there's a second reality, a personal encounter with Jesus. And this is where the conversation begins to unfold. Listen to verse 6. As John described the man who had been sitting there for 38 years like that white marble slab that's cracked and lay there forgotten, discarded. Jesus saw this man who had been there and he knew he had been there a very long time. And Jesus asked him a very significant question. Jesus enters into a conversation with this man who is caught in a desperate pattern of brokenness. The second reality is a personal encounter with Jesus. Oh, and in our brokenness, when we are in those moments where we cry out, who can help me? There's no one to help me. And that helplessness turns to hopelessness. We need to understand that Jesus sees and, and he desires to speak into our lives if our hearts would just be open to his words. So Jesus saw this man by the, the pool that day. Uh, Jesus noticed. And then secondly, Jesus brought faith to the forefront. Because in verse 6, Jesus asked the lame man, do you want to get well? Now, if you and I were there beside Jesus, we would say, well, of course he desires to get well. Why did Jesus ask this? Because Jesus was moving him to a place of faith. Jesus was moving him beyond the the mystery and the folklore of this pool to a place of substantial faith. Faith in that which is true and sure. Now, all of the, the comments and the, the references to these pools refer to a story that an angel would descend and stir the waters. And while the waters were being roused, if the infirm crawled into the waters, they could be healed. Now, obviously, there were waters in this day, as they are in our day, they do have medicinal properties. But the medicinal properties likely in this water became exaggerated in others' minds to a pool that when stirred would, would, would bring complete and full healing to whomever would, would move in to the waters, even in the most extreme cases of one being lame. And so Jesus, in the, in the context of this human brokenness, even in the context of this exaggerated story of healing from waters being stirred, Jesus asked, do you want to get well? In this personal encounter with Jesus, he noticed the brokenness, and then he brought faith to the forefront. This is what Jesus desires for you and for me, even in our brokenness, and when we feel that, that there is helplessness and hopelessness in, in areas of our lives or, or in circumstances that we, we encounter. Jesus desires to bring us from that negative experience to a greater reality, a reality of, of faith. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus looked for faith and he treasured faith that he saw in others and he called for faith. The, the story of the Roman centurion, Jesus looked at his faith and said, I have not seen faith as great as this in all of Israel. Jesus commented over and over again the, the emphasis of faith. Jesus challenged people at, at their core faith or their lack thereof. And, and Jesus 
constantly in his earthly ministry moved people to an understanding of faith. He does this here by asking the question, do you want to get well? Within this personal encounter, not only did Jesus notice the lame man, not only did he bring faith to the forefront, but Jesus called for obedience. Jesus said, get up, pick up your bedroll and walk. And when Jesus said, do you want to get well? The lame man said, sir, I don't have anyone to put me into the water. So that when it's stirred, uh, someone goes down in front of me and I'm not able to access the water. Oftentimes we cling to those uh, to those man-made ordinances or ideas in our minds that we think will bring full restoration and wholeness. This lame man for, for almost four decades cling to a dream connected to this pool as he desired healing. We're not looking at someone who ignored his circumstance. We peer into the life of this one who is broken physically, desiring restoration. But all of this hope and all of this focus rested upon this, this dream, this story. And it's almost as if this lame man settled into his own security of this place of, of crying out for help or being in a place where he was, he was subdued by his brokenness. And in Jesus, when he said, do you want to get well? The man protested, I can't get in the water. Jesus looked at him and said, just get up and, and walk. Get up and walk. The Son of Man looked into the life of this brokenness and said, just, just walk. Hear my words. Now, Jesus was not saying, I think that if you take steps, you, you might go through this amazing experience of rehabilitation and your muscles might gain strength. No, Jesus said, I have a plan for you. Hear my voice. Listen to what I'm instructing. Obey my words and you'll find restoration. Dear friend, if you're trapped in some part of life where you feel as if brokenness has subdued and quenched your desire to honor Jesus, hear him saying, stand up. Follow my voice. Hear me. Come after me. Jesus called for obedience in this lame man. So from the personal encounter with Jesus, Jesus noticed him from the crowd of the infirm. Jesus brought him to the, to the place of faith. Jesus brought faith to the forefront. And then Jesus called for obedience. But there's a third reality that comes to life from this conversation. So Jesus has entered this conversation in a way that demonstrates our need to hear the words of Jesus as well. And, and now we see a pronouncement of grace over man's laws. Hear what follows when Jesus said, pick up your bedroll and walk. Instantly the man got up, picked up his bedroll, and he began walking. Now that day was the Sabbath. During this festival, this event took place on the Sabbath. There could not have been a higher moment of activity, of temple worship, and of the temple authorities uh, fulfilling their duties. When the man walked, the Jews said to the man who has been healed, This is the Sabbath. It is illegal for you to pick up your bedroll. Let's pause there for just a moment because our minds shudder in disbelief that someone would see after 38 years a man is healed and yet their priority becomes you're breaking the rules. Yet Jesus 
overriding man's rules and man's fabrication of what man thought was right. And Jesus brought his healing grace to this life of brokenness. There was a pronouncement of grace over these laws that pressed into him. Now, one may say, wait a minute, they were just trying to keep the Old Testament law. So notice what the Jews uh, prohibited. When you read the term Jews, especially inside of a temple narrative, which is what we have here in John chapter 5, the story is based in the temple, in the greater temple complex. When you read a reference to Jews, you're actually reading a reference to the temple authorities. And so the temple authorities came to the man, disregarding that he had been healed. And I assure you, the temple authorities knew who this healed man was. He had been in this place for 38 years. They recognized him and saw him walking. And yet, their initial response was, you can't do that. You're breaking the rules. So where did they discover that that it was breaking one of God's laws to carry your pallet on the Sabbath. Well, if you look to Jeremiah chapter 17 and Nehemiah chapter 17, you'll see Old Testament references of a prohibition of, of carrying by way of a workload on the Sabbath. But now notice Jesus is on the scene. Not to break the Sabbath, but to fulfill the meaning of the Sabbath and to bring brokenness into a beautiful relationship with God himself. But when you understand from where the temple authorities drew their rule, you'll understand how, how embellished their rule became. In fact, someone has said that during the rabbinical period, uh, hundreds of laws were formed, erroneously out of the foundational laws of the Old Testament, but there were a certain list of laws that, that were carried dear by, by many of the temple authorities on the Sabbath. And, and there were as many as 39 laws. Someone has said that the 39th law would be, don't carry anything today. And so here are these temple authorities with this embellished idea of, of what would honor God in the moment, and they, they forcefully denied the, the excitement that this opportunity deserved. They saw a man healed after 38 years and they, they pressed in their law, their interpretation of the law, which actually became a rule of man. And, and Jesus smashed that rule of man as he brought restoration to this precious life. There was a pronouncement of grace over man's law. Oh, yes. We stand in desperate need of being restored from the brokenness that sin brings, from the brokenness this world can cause, from the brokenness that comes when, when our decisions do not line up with what God desires for us. Over and over again, we can see the brokenness of life. Restoration comes only through Jesus Christ. And at times, there will be the rules of man, the rules of the culture, who will press against you and attempt to cause you to deny what Jesus desires that you do. But here in this story, there is a strong pronouncement of grace over any rule that man would bring. A pronouncement of grace over man's laws becomes the phenomenal experience within this conversation. So what a, what a powerful picture we have of, of restoration. And there was a pattern of brokenness. There was a personal encounter with Jesus. And then a pronouncement of grace over man's laws. But before we conclude this story, there's one other re reality to observe, a, a present application. What do we take from this moment? 
Let's begin reading in verse 14. So, so the man had slipped away. There was uh, the prohibitive nature that became forced upon him from the temple authorities. They said, uh, the man replied, the one who made me well, he told me to pick up my bed and walk. That's why I'm picking up my bed. The one who healed me said, do this. Now, I can assure you, as man presses his authority in on our lives, we listen to the one who actually has brought restoration. And so this layman gives us an amazing picture of our responsiveness to Jesus. Hey, Jesus is the one that restored my body. I did exactly what he told me to do. I picked up my mat and I walked. Verse 12. Who is the man who told you? But the man who was cured did not know who he was because Jesus had moved away in the crowd. Verse 14. After this, Jesus found the lame man in the temple complex later and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And this is an unusual statement Jesus made to the lame man. Jesus actually confronted something deeper than the brokenness of his body that had just been restored. Jesus' comment to the lame man was about a spiritual issue. See to it that sin is addressed so that something worse doesn't come. Jesus reminded this lame man, I've restored you. Not only so that your body can be restored, but so that spiritually you might be made new and belong to the Father. Jesus moved to the fullness of his restoration by not only bringing the restoration to his body, but pronouncing his desire that his soul would be made new, regenerated, restored to the Father. Unless something worse happens to you. Oh, there's, there's something much worse than our physical ailments, no matter how extreme our physical ailments may be. And that worse is the, the devastating blow that sin brings. And Jesus' restoration, oh, at times it is a wonderful physical restoration. At times it is a relational restoration. Jesus fulfills and he heals and, and he restores. But ultimately, Jesus brings restoration of our, of our sinful hearts. He, through his power, through his death and resurrection, makes us brand new. Later in the temple, when he talked to the lame man, Jesus exposed his full desire for this individual, or that he would be restored inside as much as he was restored outside. So where is our application here first? And this is so important. Jesus' restoration is always complete. Open your heart. Open that area of your life. Surrender that area of your life to Jesus that you've held tight to, that you've guarded. That area that maybe another person has attacked or, or that place of, of hurt and, and, and that place of regret or guilt and shame. Release that to Jesus. Jesus' restoration is always complete. This is what he proved to the lame man later in the temple complex. So our first of these present applications references that Jesus desires to bring complete restoration to our lives. If you know Jesus and you've, and you've trusted in him, realize that Jesus is at work in your life. He's, he, he'll not be through bringing newness in our lives until we're with him in heaven. And oh no, I pray that your heart is open to him as he continues to make all things new in your life. 
It begins as you've trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. But if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and entrusted what He has done on the cross to bring us into a right relationship with God, to, to cleanse us and to forgive our sins, then trust Him. And He will bring you into a full experience of restoration from the moment you trust Him to the day that you stand with Him and your restoration is made perfect. But until then, He is perfecting His will in you. Paul once announced to his dear friends in Philippi, I'm confident of this, He who began a good work in you, He will complete that work. And so, yes, Jesus' restoration is always a complete restoration. But there's a second application. As we read to the end of the story, uh, verse 16, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because of what he was doing on the Sabbath. Let's keep reading. But Jesus responded to them, my Father is working even till now. And he is always at work. And the second application that we take with us is that God is active in our lives at this very moment. Trust Him with what He's desiring to accomplish in your lives. He's at work. He is manifesting Himself in a beautiful and powerful way if you'll but trust Him. He will take that marble slab that has been fractured and He will make something completely brand new. I love this story that comes from author J. Stuart Holden. He tells the story of Lord Landseer. Lord Landseer visited an old Scottish mansion. He was hosted there by the family that owned the mansion. The family left for the day and told Lord Landseer that he could make himself comfortable and when he was ready to leave, he could leave and continue his journey. Well, while Lord Landseer was, was in his room and enjoying his, his beautiful accommodations, he noticed there was a stain on the wall. Perhaps someone had dropped some drink or some food and it had made a very ugly stain. Well, the, the, the hostess tried to cover the stain with ornaments, but the stain was obvious. So while the host family was absent, Lord Landseer found a, a piece of artistic chalk and he began drawing over this ugly stain that was on the wall. The family returned that day to find that Lord Landseer had left. They walked into his room to pick up after him, and they saw this beautiful picture on the wall, amazed that, that the picture was there. But then they began to look, and they realized that the stain had been, had been created into this beautiful, beautiful artwork of a country landscape. And, and they rejoiced that they no longer had to worry about the stain because Lord Landseer created something beautiful out of that place where once there was a stain. In your life, you may feel that there have been moments of brokenness and regret, that like that old ugly stain on the wall has in your own mind stained your life. Jesus came to make something beautiful out of you. He will color with his own love and his own blood over that stain, and he'll make a beautiful portrait of His will for you, if we will but trust His His movement of restoration in our lives. This is an amazing conversation. I love this conversation. Jesus approached this lame man, and within moments the man is healed, and then Jesus spoke into his life even more deeply. The conversation spanned quite a while as, as the conversation moved from the pool of Bethesda out into the temple courtyard, and yet Jesus continued to speak into his life, seeking that that restoration would come. And oh, how 
God desires that you and I see his work of restoration in us. The restoration God brings to us through Jesus is complete. And God is always at work to make something beautiful out of what was once broken. I'd like to pray with you. Father, thank you for speaking to our hearts today. And Lord, as we move from this place of worship, may we not move forward in brokenness that has been in our lives. Lord, may we trust you to restore it, to make all things new. Thank you for this conversation that Jesus had with the lame and that reminds us you are restoring all things. And Father, if we know you and have trusted in Jesus, Lord, may we trust that you are making things new in our lives. And that stain doesn't matter. That broken marble slab doesn't matter. You are creating something new. And Father, if if someone listening has never placed their faith in Jesus, Lord, may they do that today as they see you beginning a powerful work of restoration, making all things new. Thank you for leading us, Father. Thank you for touching our hearts during this time of worship. May we go forward celebrating the fact that you do restore our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, Amen. On the screen right now is a website location. We would love for you to reach out there. We would love to have a conversation with you. If, if you need to talk to someone about what it means uh, to follow Jesus and to trust Him, there's no other way to, to be in a right relationship with God than to trust Jesus. And if you're ready to have that conversation, we're ready to have it with you. Reach out to this website location, send a message, and we'll be right back in touch with you. If you know Jesus and you're following Him, and you've held on tightly to some of those stains or fractured pieces of your life. God is restoring that. He's making it new. Let's not dwell on that. Let's dwell on God's work through Christ Jesus in our lives, restoring us. And then we celebrate that Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. Oh, and when we listen to him, he makes all things new. When we follow him, when we say yes, Jesus, then we begin to see God's restorative work in our lives. I pray that this is your reality today. Thanks for joining us. I look forward to seeing you next week, if not sooner. Love you a lot. God bless.